Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a brand new episode of Flyers Daily. Flyers are back in action tonight. They'll be back home for Hockey Fights Cancer Night at Wells Fargo Center to take on the Calgary Flames to talk about that, the week that was, the week that will be, Ask Billy, and much more from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? Doing good. Um, first and foremost, let's talk about tonight's game because the Flyers now 0-4-2 in their last six, Bill. There's a ton of attrition with injuries in the lineup that I would say it's almost unprecedented, but Columbus actually is dealing with something very similar, $38 million out injured. And the Flyers are in the midst of 21 games in 40 days. Yeah. Love to get some practice time, but that's not going to be not going to be in the cards right now for the Flyers. No, and we talked about this a, just a couple of weeks ago. We said, you know, when you're – when you're playing well, you won games and going through one of these, you, you'd really love some practice time. You know, um, you know, the, the contrast strikes me. And, and I thought about it actually earlier, t- earlier today. If you remember in, in the, uh, the 2019, 20 season, the Flyers had 16 games in 30 days in November. That's really where that season mm-hmm. took off. From. You know, they had the best record in the NHL in, in November and they, they just rode it through to, uh, you know, the, the stoppage for you know, for the pandemic obviously you know that's a different time a whole different situation now um but you know i i, I guess you look you look at the, each successful game is an opportunity here um but uh you know there there's you know it, it's funny jason because we were, we were talking about in the early games of this uh, they're playing well the process is better all that and, and that, that all that is true but it starts to ring hollow after, after a couple of games, you know, because because there have been fatal flaws that, that have popped up in virtually every game here, um, whether it's closing a game out or whether it's turnovers. Special teams obviously has been basically a constant through through most of this, and um, you know you can talk about talk about playing with energy and and resolve and you know resiliency and all those things might be true, but you know the they're they're finding ways to lose, and that's really that's really the bottom line here. Yeah, I know. Torts after the game in Montreal said, "I'm not leaving the arena angry. I'm disappointed for them." You know, 1.9 seconds left. You got a guy that loses his stick, and you know somehow they find a way to they block a couple shots. Carter Hart makes a couple saves in those closing moments, and then ultimately they tie it on Caulfield's goal, and then. You go to overtime in the shootout where we know what's going to happen there. It feels like a fait accompli. But, I mean, how do you – I mean, from a team standpoint, a player standpoint, Lawton goes out injured. Who knows how long TK is going to be out. We're still waiting for some more clarification on that. But how as a player do you pick yourself back up? I mean, this is just being a pro, and this is where Torts and that coaching staff got their work cut out for them. No, no doubt. No doubt. There, there's no time – to feel sorry for themselves because nobody's going to feel sorry for them, you know, and then you can say, you can say you're snake bit. You, you can say, well, gee, in the shootout, we had, uh, you know, a, a puck go off both posts and stay on the inside of both posts at that yeah. and stay out. Just, just, just can't catch, can't catch a break right now, but you know, but uh, teams make their own breaks too. You know, if you, you, have, you have an opportunity to close out a game like that, yeah, you have to close it out. Um, you know, yeah, there's a broken stick and, you know, but but uh, and Torch pointed out too. You know, they're also 
drops a little panicky kind of mistake, sticks in the wrong position. You know, we just it, it's uh, you know it, it comes back to a standard and mentality, and you know there, there's a certain confidence that comes in, in closing out games, and the Flyers just not a very confident team. Um, you, you can see it every time. You know, we've talk, been talking so much about the penalty kill lately, but we have to. You know, every time the Flyers go shorthanded, you're worried. You know, it's not. And they uh, are too. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah, exactly. They they are, and you know, it's a hard way to play because you you can't play afraid to take a penalty. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I mean, they've taken some really bad ones. You know, the uh, the lot and cross check that that uh, you know, just just things like that. They they just they just keep shooting themselves in the foot in ways that you know. The, this Flyers team has to scratch out every win, and they, they can't be there. You know, when, when John Tortorella said, I guess, about a week ago now, you can't be two opponents, right? The team on the other side and yourselves. Um, and the Flyers, the Flyers, in some ways, they've, they've been their own opponent in, in pretty much pretty much throughout this, and that's uh, that's been a common thread through basically all the games. Yeah, there's a, a confidence in being a team that knows how to close out games and find ways to win, and then there's a fragility in the other side of that, and uh, they're the latter at this point. But one of the things that Tort said after the Montreal game was he said, we got to learn who's who and who's going to be a part of this thing going forward. It's something that you know we've heard kind of you know whispers about, and there's assumptions, and of course – a team that is struggling. We know that Torts is going to come in here and, and try and find the mold of his team to move forward with. I get the sense, though, that this is a little different than when coaches say that. This is more, I don't think there's a guy on this roster that this does not apply to for the most part. Um, maybe maybe Carter Hart, the goaltender, uh, exempt. But other than that, if you're a skater on this team, whether you're a young guy like uh, a Morgan Frost or an Owen Tippett, or you're a veteran guy like Kevin Hayes or Rasmus Ristolainen or Ivan Provorov or whoever, I get the sense that he's evaluating everybody. And I don't know that anybody is immune or uh, any kind of guarantee to be a part of his vision going forward. No, I, I think that I think that's exactly right. Um, I think there's a tendency to, to kind of home in on some specific names. You know, the young players obviously being, being one of them, but, but, but veterans as well. Um, you know, he even and, and not just because he was moved down the lineup, but but even Kevin Hayes. You know, yeah. Kevin Hayes is is a player who's. You know, the, there's a when they talk about they talk about a standard and an identity, and one of the things they're figuring is not just can this guy play, can this guy deliver points or whatever, can he play to the standard that we need, and uh, and it's not Kevin. Just as I said, it's not just Kevin Hayes or a young player. or or risk the line or whatever. It, it's everybody. It's Travis Sanheim, who just who just got a big contract extension. It it is everybody on that team, um, you know. And I mean, so obviously, if if it comes to moving certain contracts because of contractual considerations, term, cap hit, whatever, that that might be a whole other story. But um, Twitter has shown that that he will bench anybody. So that's uh, he he's not he's not going to make his line of decisions ultimately on. You know, and how much somebody is making, or where he was drafted, or or what his ice time expectations or norms are, just not how he's just not how he's wired, and not, doesn't seem to be what his plan is going forward. So I think I think everybody I think everybody is under the microscope, and you know I I, I know he said that um, he has to keep in mind how many key pieces they're missing, 
when he's elevated, yeah. when he's you know, when he's evaluating, okay, what do we really have here? What kind of team are we? But uh, you know, that, that can't wait forever either. Um, you know that uh, I mean, I mean, realistically, this might this roster may look quite different by late this season and, and heading into next year than what we have here in in uh, you know in November, heading into the week of Thanksgiving. It's just just reality. Bill, how would you evaluate Hayes' season? I mean, he's got five goals, thirteen assists, and eighteen games, eighteen points. He's a point per game player, uh, but you know. Hey, Kevin Hayes is not a guy that fits the Tortorella mold in the sense of, you know, going to the right places in the D zone and structurally and those things. He is a very, you know, kind of, I don't know what the right word is here, kind of wing it type player out there, you know, very flow oriented. And, you know, he makes some decisions that are, that are great. And, and there's other decisions that we question, whether it's, you know, a dead angle shot on a power play to kill it when you had good pressure or something like that. But how would you evaluate how he's played so far? Cause I, I don't know that the point per game is the right evaluation. No, no. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, we'll, we'll start with this though. We'll start by saying this is a team that is desperate for offense. Yeah. And at least so he's providing it. <laughs> he, he, he's yeah. He, he is providing that, uh, you know, uh, and obviously before we were done, Travis connecting was a big part of the reason why, Hayes is racking up assists, but, um, you know, I mean, he certainly is a very good distributor. Um, you know, he, he plays in a variety of situations that, you, and yeah, he, he's producing, but ultimately when we go back to talking about a, a, a standard, right. And, and, uh, an identity, you know, you need your team leaders and, and he is one is needed to be one. You need, you need your team leaders to model, that that standard uh, on every game basis, and and it's and it's little things. It's things like not overstaying shifts, right? It, it's things like back checking that some of the time, but all the time. It, it it's automatic. It it's uh you know it, it's things like you were talking about decisions decisions made with the puck, you know not not throwing it around where it's going to rim out and you're you're allowing a two on one, you know um. I mean, those, those kind of things, right? It's puck management decisions. It's off puck stuff. And it's a consistency factor too, because, because at times, at times Hayes has played really well and you name the aspect, right. But, but, but there's not a consistency to it. And it's not even a, a period in period out consistency. And to be, to be fair to Kevin Hayes, he's not a first line center ideally. And he wasn't signed to be a first line center. He, you know, but the by necessity, he is that for, for the Flyers. So I I think you have to be fair fair to him too. But by the same token, you know, the, there are things that are within his control that I think just for the, just for the sake of the team, he need he needs to be more consistent in doing. And I I do think I do think him moving down in the lineup. Um, and and playing with Wilman, you know, the, the other night. I mean, I, I think being being on that that line, it's a little it's a little bit of a message. Nothing nothing against those players, but yeah. But I but I do think there's a message in there because he's already been benched for a period. You you don't want to go right back to doing that, especially given how shorthanded you are, and you really can't. You need him playing. So, but uh, but I but I do think there is something inherent in there and in saying, you know, we we need you to to model the things that we talk about all the time. 
for the team. Yeah. And, I, and, and I do think, you know, I, I think there's something to that. Um, I, I think that Ristolainen had been a 20-minute-a-night defenseman for every other coach he's had playing 16 minutes a night, playing in the third pair. That's not accidental either. Yeah. And, you, you, you know, you could go up and down the roster, and you could say that for, for many players on the team. They need more for Joel, Joel Faraby. And, you know, Joel had a pretty serious surgery, you know, and um, he's not back to himself yet, but they need him to be. I mean, he, there, there's just you – know, there's very few guys on that roster that you could say you're, you're getting just what you need out of them. And, uh, you know, even, even guys who are generally playing well, you know, Tony D'Angelo for the most part has played quite well. And, and he's had games recently. We played 30 minutes. Yeah. You know, but every everybody needs to elevate their level of play for for this team to be able to compete, particularly when they're they're so riddled with injuries. So there's not a you know there's not a name you, you could say, um, you know even even as as really well as Konechny is playing. You know, I, I think I think again I think I think it goes for everybody on the team. Carter Hart would be the guy I would, would exempt, although yeah. you know maybe there was a, a couple of goals this year that he would like back, but. But for the most part, Carhartt's done everything you need him to do, and, and all you could realistically ask of him. But when you, when you look at the the roster as a whole, you know there, there's uh, it's kind of amazing they're still at hockey 500. Truthfully, yeah, it really is. You know, Konechny and Hayes were kind of locked together while they were still in the lineup, and losing TK obviously is a huge loss not only for the team but but for Hayes. One of the guys, two guys that I would lock together, Bill. I get the old handcuffs out and say, you two are going to play together the rest of the year. And we'll figure out who that third winger is on your line. But that's Morgan Frost and Joel Farabee. I think they showed some good chemistry last year. I think they think the game very similarly in the creative element of it. And I don't know who the third guy is. That rotates around. I don't think you ever put three guys together and lock them. I think you put two together and lock them. And I think those two need to be locked together. Yeah, and and, uh, at least for the time being, I'd like to Especially because I like what I saw from Kate's Frost and Tippett together. Yeah, um, you know, Tippett and Frost read pretty well off of each other too. Even though they've only this year has really only been the one game, but the but but you could you, you know you could see that they kind of rekindled with the kind of chemistry they had late last season. Um, you know, I mean, and and you see the level of confidence the Tippett is playing with. Oh my um, god! You know, he, I mean, his confidence is sky high. I, and one of the things, you know not to just be all doom and gloom there. There's a lot of things in the Montreal game that I did like. Yeah. You have to start, you have to start with Tippett. Yeah. You know, and, and Tippett just the, just his confidence in shooting the puck, just his confidence in using his speed, getting entries. Um, even on the back check. I mean, he's, he's playing the he best. Totally bought in. He's totally yeah. bought in Bill. Yeah. Totally, totally has. Totally has. Um, and I, I think that it's brought, something on these couple of games in frost that uh you know he, he's boy boy is he knocking on the door you know yeah, yeah. this is a guy who said this is a guy who's had five breakaways this year and there's nothing to show for any of them you know um even if a couple had gone in it'd be a little different outlook in a season so far because he's a guy who's had chances and they're not they're not going in for him but just in terms of being able to make plays you, you know what you know what um was a little lost in uh tippet's goal off the faceoff, which is so hard to pull off you know, maybe you do it once or twice in a career, maybe. But uh, other than his presence of mind to shoot it, shooting, something gets lost in this. 
you know, Frost beat the D other than that, too. Yeah, he was there. He, if there was a rebound, he would have got it. <laughs> yeah. If it and, and yeah, if the goalie got a piece of it, if Allen got a piece of it and sitting in line, he would have tapped it over. Yeah. But just the presence of mind to get right to the end and beat the D there, that's that that bode that bodes well too. You know, that uh that, that's a lot of mental engagement. Yeah, it, it, it total, total engagement. Uh Faraby, and I and I and I, and I you know I, I think you should staple him and Frost together too, whoever whoever the third guy on the line is, at some point Farabee will get going. Yeah. Um, you know, We've I, seen glimpses. Played. He had a three-point game not that long ago, yeah. the end of October. We've seen some yeah. glimpses. But, you know, coming off that surgery, there's a lot of rehab coming off that, not training for the season. And talking to so many guys over the years as you have, you know, that's a huge difference for these guys. I, I feel like you can see Tippett's confidence in his face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, for sure. Like he, he's carrying himself. Just his demeanor, his body language is bigger and more confident for some reason. And well, well, we know the reason. He's playing really well. And if that's a find and something we find out this year, that's a really good thing because I think his defensive game is underrated. I think his distribution of the puck is absolutely underrated. Yeah, we know about the shot. We've learned about the skating, but he looks like an absolute player. And I think he's 31 goal pace right now uh, for Tippett, but he, he's been really good. Bill, one of the things, you know, in, in looking at, you know, I've gotten a lot of emails and texts and tweets and stuff about, hey, should the Flyers dip into the trade market, grab TK's cousin from Vancouver, for example, Bo Horvat, who's by all accounts on the market. We know Jim Rutherford makes trades like he, you know, uses the bathroom. He will make more trades than anybody. And with the, the state of the Vancouver Canucks, you may be able to get him out of there. Problem, he's on an expiring contract. And if you were to trade for a guy like Bo Horvat, there's a couple things to consider. Your Flyers are in no position to trade for a rental. Yep. And I don't think they're in any position to trade a 2023 first-round pick that's not top 10 protected. But the thing about it is, is you go, well, would he talk extension? But the problem with extension is we don't know what the final HRR is going to be at the end of this year and what that cap's going to be. And does a player really want to sign an extension before he knows the market when the cap may be significantly rising? No, I I don't, I don't know what the, he's going to get term wherever he goes. Right. I mean, staying put is an extra year of terms, eight rather than seven, but he's going to get, you know, he could basically name his price and, and get that over seven or eight years. Um, you know, just simply, simply the fact that, uh, you know, his cousin being on Philadelphia is not going to be enough of a, a lore by itself. Um, you know, I mean, in an ideal world, right. You, you don't have to expend assets and you could get him here over the summer. Yeah. Um, that's what I say. Why give up anything? Just sign him over the summer. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, it, it, yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, with Gujo, it was all it all came down to the dollars and cents, and they, they didn't have the cap space, et cetera, to do it. Um, I mean, if you could make a competitive offer and potentially land them, then you still have then you still have all the assets, you know, and you'll probably pick up some other assets too, because of the Flyers in all probability are going to be sellers. So, you know, but but by the same token, he's not going to want to sit in in a rebuild for a long period of time either. He yeah. he, he he can name where he goes. So. You know, every team wants a Bo Horvat on the team. That's not even a question of would he would he help as a player you'd want on your. No, no question. He's a leader. 
He's a he's a tone setter. He he was a center. So many, yeah, <laughs> and a center and a center, which is a, such a thin position for the Flyers. He checked would just check so many boxes, but he checked boxes for a whole lot of teams. So you know, if, if you could do it, fantastic. Um, I don't think anybody anybody should be off limits. Um, but you said you're, there's no there's no way you're going to trade a, a non lottery protected 2023, um, yeah. especially. With how fly how high the Flyers might end up drafting, so you know I, I think it's right now I think it's not totally far fetched, but I don't think it's realistic right now. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a logical thing for me either. Just wanted to mention that. Let's get to some hashtag Ask Billy questions. Let's talk with Tim Tobin. He gets our first question at Tobnator on Twitter. He says hashtag Ask Billy as the team settles into an area of the standings that is more realistic for them. He said, I start to look for things to be optimistic about for building a new core, a young core. He said, that being said, Tippett is on a 37 goal per 82 game pace. I said 31, I was wrong. Um, 37 goal pace. Where do you think he ends up at? He said, I'll say 26 to 28. Where do you project him out, Bill, for saying he's healthy for the full 82? Yeah, I I, I think that's a fair number. Um, I think he knocks on 30. Yeah, uh, and he certainly can because all the power play time to do it. He'll be yep. he'll be up top. Um, you know, I, I think there's always and most goal scorers are, are going to go through streaks. That's just it's just the nature of the beast. Um, even at other levels, though, you know, he would score in in bunches, and then he would have some slumps where you know it's been eight games without a goal, that kind of thing. I, I you know I don't think I don't think he's totally out of the woods with that yet. But I, but I think by the time the season is over, he, he could flirt with 30 goals. And but I, I think 26, 27, that's a that's a fair realistic number for him this year. And then you know you build on that in the future. And def, definitely to me, he's he's been a positive in terms of being a guy who might be one of your building blocks going forward. I I agree. I think he's a real big piece for them, a really important piece for them going forward. They can need more high end talent, absolutely. But I think he can be a real important piece and. Could be a nice little deal that they got there for Giroux. Uh, all said and done. Can't judge it too early. Uh, Alex Arit, Arred. Uh, I'm sorry, Alex. I probably butchered your name. Hashtag Ask Billy says, I know this is a year of figuring out what the team has in-house. And you've preached a lot about creating a winning culture, which I agree with. So when is it time to start turning toward the trade market? Can we really keep going like this and maintain a good culture? Now, this is a philosophical question, Bill, because... Losing is tough. These are very competitive athletes, and losing can beat a man down. We've seen it before a thousand times. You know, I don't know about the trade market this year. I think this is about assessment and finding out who's a part of it going forward. And I think the players also understand that, but losing does still hurt. No, yeah, no, no question. Uh, that, that's why this current stretch is, is concerning. Um, you know, you, uh, two of the last three have been winnable hockey games. You know, the, the Boston game, you go in, you you, you want to compete as hard as you can. And I thought they did that. They they held, you know, they held even in the first period. The second period, Boston took over the game, and he still got to the third period down by only one. You know, and then Boston kind of pulled away in the third period. Um, that's kind of that kind of what you would expect going in, and then that. And it certainly wasn't a matter of effort, but the, the problem the problem gets to be before very long these things. Oh, here we go again. That's what happened last year. I I, I don't think that uh, you know I, I think as he got later in the season, it, 
it, it just got to be you, you just knew how it was going to play out, right? And and a couple of these recent games have looked like games from last year, honestly. And that that's that's really what you want to avoid. I in terms in terms of trades, not just with Horvat, it's hard to make impact trades in season. Um, most of what you see is is rentals close to the deadline. Um, and then the bigger trades tend to happen in the off season, and I, I think that would be that'd be the case again. Now they should have you know, some some cap space uh, after this year, and then we'll see how much this the cap ceiling goes up, and see what they're looking at in terms of you know how many guys That's have the to go. Yeah. You know, so yeah. uh, so I mean all all, all that stuff is it's just too early to really take those steps at this point. Um, but it, but it, it is absolutely crucial to, to keep working towards establishing the, you know, an identity and culture, just being, being a team being, well, I mean, honestly, like some of, some of those Columbus teams that, that might've, uh, and I just knew when they had Panera and I just mean some of the teams there that uh, didn't have superstars, but they were always a tough out. And that's really kind of, what the Flyers are trying to get to, and whether you're playing hockey 500 or, or whatever it is, you know, it, it's uh, that's that's really that's really what they're they're trying to get to this season, and they're not there yet. They're not there yet, but they've they've taken some steps. Yeah, you have to start to see a timeline of an arc, right? Yeah. It, and I, we're not ready to start the clock on that just yet. I I feel uh, notorious pig. Not notorious, B-I-G. Yeah. Um, he uh, tweets in uh, hashtag Ask Billy and says, Torts is trying to figure out who is and isn't part of the team going forward. We mentioned that before. Who has final say, though? He said, if Torts gets rid of player X, will the front office push back if they don't agree? Also, will the fans accept a trade of a player like TK if the front office decides he doesn't fit the window of this rebuild? Um, first of all, let's start with the first part. Who has the final say? I, I think these things are very, um, you know, it's it's a team. They're always talking about it together. I think that ultimately the GM and the president, Chuck Fletcher, has the final say. But I think it's a very open conversation of all parties, I would assume. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's an ongoing collaborative is the word I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And, um... You know, and it would involve obviously beyond Chuck Fletcher, Brent Flair. It would involve Danny Briere, right? And and I and obviously John Terrell is part of the conversation too. Um, final say is Chuck Fletcher's the one who makes the trade, so Chuck Fletcher gets the final say as long as he gets a GM title. That's just how it works. Okay, as far as would the fans accept a trade of a TK type? If the front office decides he didn't fit the now, I can't. I don't. I don't know the answer to this because you got to decide that on your own. I don't. Yeah. I think people would be pretty pretty salty. I mean, it obviously depends on what the return is for any player, right. but I think fans and I'm not saying TK, but they should be prepared that anybody could be moved at any time this season. No question. Yeah, it, it really could be. Really could be anybody. Um, and in terms of will fans accept it? Well, there, there's you know there's the knee jerk immediate reaction, and then there's the longer term reaction to something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you an example of one that was wildly unpopular when it happened, and then is now remembered as one of the best trades the Flyers ever made. Um, when Mark Recchi, a, a back-to-back hundred-point scorer 
trade to Montreal for a third line. Leclerc was a third line player, and Desjardins was a good, solid defenseman, but not a not a Norris Trophy defenseman. When that trade was made, that was wildly unpopular. I mean, the it was panned in, in the papers, and you know, people on on talk radio really panned it, panned the trade, and they got shut out the first game too, which didn't help it. So, I mean, that that was a just a massively unpopular trade. And then, of course, then the Legion of Doom was born, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Not that the Flyers are in position to do something like that right now, but the point being that there's there's an initial there's an initial response to a deal, and then then it gets reevaluated over over a year, two years, three years, et cetera. Um, the we were talking just talking about Owen Tippett, right, and and the Giroux trade a year ago, and yeah. the reaction was well, they didn't get enough, even though. <laughs> even though they had to take what they could get because we'd only go to one team. But, uh, you know, now that Giroux is not in Florida anymore, he's in Ottawa, you have Tippett and you have a, another first-round pick that's coming coming out of it ultimately, suddenly it doesn't look so bad. And that's, uh, you know, and and uh, and, and just, just one more example. Um, when Peter Forsberg was traded to Nashville. Nashville, yeah. Yeah, and, and ultimately – uh, the Flyers ended up getting uh, Scott Hartnell and uh, Timo Timonen because they flipped the first round pick that so they got right back to Nashville, and that was those were the main pieces that ultimately came back. So, you know, you you react as it happens, how it looks at the time, and then you just reevaluate it. I, I don't think you can worry what the initial fan reaction will be to something because that will change over time. Hopefully for the better. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, BCBJR at Wandering Bear eighty six on Twitter. For ask Billy, says Jason Bill, I'm being sincere when I ask this. Oh, I always get scared when they say that. He said, purely from an ownership standpoint, why has the front office been allowed to push the narrative the one shortened bubble season is the measure of their ability or the rule as opposed to three plus years of failure, a.k.a. the exception? I don't I don't know that that's being pushed. I don't know that it – I mean, that was okay to say after, you know, the, the 2021 season – that are they more the team from 1920 that, you know, didn't lose back-to-back games in the second half and was really good heading into the bubble, or were they the team that we saw in 2021? That was fair to ask that then. I don't think it's fair to ask that now, and I don't know that I've really even come across that narrative of late. No, no. Um, after after last season, you, you can't go back to that. Yeah, um, it's long gone. Yeah, I, you know, and, and I mean, the only the – only, uh, thing you can say about that season was if that not, not just the results but that process could have been sustained we've talked about it before where you know the stingiest team fewest shots fewest shots per game allowed in the league and top seven in goals goals against average and top seven in goals per game that's usually the market team that's going to stick around for a while and that's uh now of course it worked out being anything anything but that but that, that's why coming out of that year there was optimism that this could be a this could be a multi-year process of where you know this team's pretty good. Um, obviously it hasn't worked out that way. Even in even in winning some games early in seasons, um, this year, last year, you know, even the uh, the COVID shortened year, you know, they they so they weren't doing it in a way you knew you could sustain. Yeah. Um so you know they so I, I don't think you know. I don't think anybody's talking about 1920 anymore, especially because so many, so much of the team has turned over since then too. And they're, you know, and listen, if you, if you keep missing the playoffs, and you only you only get 
so many co-tires too. So I, I think that I think that anything referring back to you know several seasons ago at this point, it talk about something that ring, rings hollow. You, you can't you can't go there. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's get to uh, at Raider Frank sixty five. He says bar soap or body wash. I'll take this one, Bill. It's bar soap all day. Dove. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, one more here. Let's go with uh, Chris's question. Ch Ham fifty seven uh, hashtag Ask Billy says looks like the Flyers actually are building depth at the goalie position with Hart, Sandstrom, Urson, and often Siberia Fedotov. But how do you see it playing out? Cannot keep them all. Um, I, I don't think that Fedotov is really a feasible part of the equation right now, Bill. There's too much that they yeah. can't control when it comes uh, to Fedotov. But uh, Hart, Sandstrom, and Urson, you can certainly keep those three. You don't have to get rid of any of those guys right now. No, no, no reason to. Um, there'll be a decision at some point about moving Urson up. Nah, and that's that's not, that's not even imminent. I mean, uh, you know, and – I mean, he just rattled off a really nice winning streak for the Phantoms. Um, he wasn't he wasn't in goal on Sunday as their winning streak came to an end. But but Arson is selling a really nice groove and keeps keeps it up. Then it may be a year from now we're we're talking about it. But uh, right now there, there's no no need to make any decisions. And uh, and Carter Hart doesn't have to worry about anybody taking his job imminently either. So depth depth at goaltending is a good thing. Um, you know, he mentioned uh, Fedotov. Kalsov is a, is a really good. Young goalie too. Um, he, he's had a lot of success at a, at a very young age, and um, you know maybe at some point he comes over and he's part of the mix too. But I I, I think that that's a I think that's a good problem to have. And uh, you know they're they're not they're not in a position where somebody has to be waived. Um, where you know where where it's it's really crunch time in terms of determining how it's going to look. So uh, obviously the way the injuries pop up and, and Carter has an injury history. You know, have, having options, having options is a good thing. I think that's been a, a positive development of anything. Yeah, I mean, what was the one year when they went seven deep and they signed Mike McKenna that year? They signed. I'm trying to think the one guy's name. Pickard. Cal Pickard. Cal Pickard. Yeah, I was going Cam. It was Cal Pickard. You're right. Yeah. I mean, th- they were all over the map that year, and they just didn't have a lot of goaltending depth. And nobody can go seven deep organizationally anyway, but. Yeah, I think you can't have enough of that. And there's always value for young goaltending if that's an offseason type thing. You know, those guys will get scouted for sure. And they could be currency. Um, Last thing for you, Bill. Um, One of the questions I asked in yesterday's Flyers Daily, I've got a bunch of responses already via email and uh, via Twitter DM. But, you know, one of the things about this team this year, I think a lot of the fans went into this season very realistic that this was a year to, to measure and see who's who and what's what under John Tortorella and who wants to be here, who doesn't, who's part of the solution, who's part of the problem. And I think they've played really hard. I think that, you know, have they been perfect? No, they've made mistakes clearly. Uh, do they lack talent? Absolutely. Are injuries a factor? All those things. But the one thing they have seemingly played very hard. And I asked the, the fans, you know, is that enough for this year? You know, is can that satiate the fan appetite? Because you know how Philadelphia is. I mean, you're no stranger. This this city doesn't ask for you to work hard because you can control that. They demand it, yeah. and they have worked hard. We hope that maintains. But when you look at it, is that maintainable, considering how injured and everything they are? And should uh, you know, is that something that can satiate the fans 
for an offseason. But I think by the end, we got to get to this point where we start going, okay, here's a clock now on an arc. Yeah. Yeah. Because what, what you're doing at this point, as we've said a few times, you're evaluating. And then, and that's part of, that's part of setting a plan going forward. There has to be a roster plan. That's, that's part of that. Um, and uh, no, I mean, it, there, there's a finite period of time where playing hard is, uh, is something that's going to satiate fans or should it be? Because as you said, I mean, that, that's, that's just an expectation. That, that's a minimum, right? Yeah. That, you don't get a feather in your cap for that. Yeah. No, you, you don't, you don't. I mean, People are, you know, people are, are paying their money to, to come see you play. They're watching you on TV. They're they're following your team. You you ex, you expect a team to, at the very least, put in maximum effort, you know, and uh, you know, and no, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna play perfect games, uh, especially this team. But you know, and it's just it's just gonna be games where you're gonna be outclassed. You're gonna be games where. You know, you're a tired team against a rested team, and and it's just going to be that way over the course of a season. Um, one of one of the things that uh, hopefully is established is we, we're, you know, you know how earlier on we were, we were commenting on the resiliency part of it, and it ceased to be a part of the narrative anymore because they've been pretty consistently resilient, even trailing in games that they'll come back. That, that's that's great. You you expect that, but but let's not you know let's. As uh, as Torres has said, you can't live in that property, right? Um, so same thing. You, you can't you can't hang your hat on, on work ethic. That should be something where it's expected. They they play that way regularly, and let's let's take the next steps from there is to play with some leads, closing out games, those kind of things to, to be to be a truly more competitive hockey team. I think that's uh, you know the, those would, those would be the next steps. Whether that's going to happen this season, this half season. I don't know, but, uh, but I think, you know, but I think that's where you, you want to head towards. And, and so the, the work ethic part of it is there's been improvements in that area. That's great. But uh, you know, that, that, that should just be something that's not even part of part of the discussion. Yeah. It's, it's almost strange that it is. And, but eventually this is pro sports. Fans will be patient with working hard for a period of time. Eventually it is, a, it is about wins and losses. It's about, you know, being a winning team and, and being on a trajectory. Uh, great stuff as always, Bill. Everybody, thanks for the questions for Ask Billy. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. It's Flyers in Calgary. We'll break it down tomorrow. Busy week, Calgary Monday, uh, Washington on Wednesday. Then you've got the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins Black Friday game at Friday at 530 at Wells Fargo. And then I think it's Saturday against the New York Islanders on the road. So busy week of hockey coming up. And we will uh, break down Flyers Flames tomorrow, rebuilds work on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. Great stuff there. And we shall talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Daily.